Welcome back, everybody, to the Western Focus Podcast. I'm your host, Steven Meister, and alongside me is my regular co-host, Blue, also known as Cobalt, also known as Bean. How does it feel to be back recording Western Focus just in time for Worlds? Oh, it feels good, let me tell you. Uh, I think it's been a long time coming. You know, the pause was was fun to, to kind of sit around and watch the games, but I've missed talking about them. And now with Worlds coming up, we, we've done the play-ins, we got the main stage coming up, I've got the day off work on Thursday to watch the games, and it's going to be a great time. I'm happy to be back. Yep, great to be back. You know, not much to say in terms of the hiatus, life stuff happens, you know, you get busy, but we're happy to be back just in time for Worlds to help provide this content and finally just get our thoughts back out there talking about NA, talking about EU, and of course we'll be running down some of the other, uh, all the other teams as well, just not quite in the same extent as we will be NA-EU, because that's the whole point of this podcast, year for NA versus EU. So we will be starting off with the play-ins discussion, very, very briefly, just hitting on some of the highlights, the key things that happened. Obviously, BDS 3-0 and Golden Guardians was the very first series to get into the play-ins, the NA versus the EU fourth seed. And while I am not entirely surprised that Golden Guardians lost, I was surprised a little bit that it was a 3-0. Because despite, even though if you were watching the LCS, you would have saw Golden Guardians definitely declining towards back end of summer into the playoffs. They kind of sputtered out, and it just wasn't anything near that the same team that we saw in spring with the hype that they had coming in for summer. People were really wondering if they could keep it up. And unfortunately, they didn't really do it. Now, I didn't think that necessarily was going to be a 3-0. I thought they probably could have taken a game off of BDS because I know they're also kind of that up and down, little bit of a volatile team too. What did you think going into that series? Were you surprised it was a 3-0? Yeah, I mean, even before the series, I wasn't entirely sure that BDS would win to to begin with. And obviously, I I predicted BDS because I'm the EU guy. I kind of have to root for the guys, but... At the same time, I BDS wasn't quite at the level that I could say with certainty because GG was at MSI. They did pretty decent there. And even despite their, their sort of petering off towards the end of summer, I think they, they were a solid team. So the 3-0, Adam bringing out the Garen twice and winning twice. I think the, the series was a fun time to watch for me especially, but the it was overperformance on BDS's part, I, I would say. Yeah, and I'm sure you'll end up referencing the whole gods thing we of got course. going on with Adam up there in the top lane with, with with his champion pool. But yeah, I mean, it really was a surprise. And just, you know, I didn't expect Golden Guardians to let me down like this. I doubted them the entirety of spring when they were starting to do good in spring i'm like nah no way this is just kind of a facade you know they're not really this good and then they they obviously kill it in spring go to msi then they come in summer i'm not giving them any respect in summer i'm like nah they're surely gonna fall off no they do good in summer and then they, they finally did fall off that little bit but i'm like going into the series like man can i actually predict golden guardians to to do this and take the upset obviously i did but it's like man like there's no way they're gonna let me down this time, right? Like I've, I haven't, I haven't believed in them the whole time, and the one time that I believe in them, there's no way they're gonna let me down, right? Well, 
they, they, they kind of let me down a little bit. But it is what it is. Golden Guardians, you know, a very successful season in the grand scheme of things for Golden Guardians. Making it to MSI is was never seen as a, a possibility for this team by probably anyone outside of the Golden Guardians organization and group and team. So still a congratulations to them. Making it to the, the play-in for the play-in is a big feat for them. And hopefully they do have something to build upon for next season with this. And now the other big thing that I wanted to get into was the pentakills already. Three pentakills in play-ins. One by Loud's Root, Crowny got one as well, and Slater on Gam, one of the two teams making it out from the play-ins into the Swiss stage, now no longer the group stage. Pickums are already kind of busted, I think. I, I don't know if people thought three pentakills was going to happen in the whole series of Worlds. Three happened in play-ins already. Yeah, if we go off the trend of last year, I think a very similar thing happened. That year we only had two in play-ins, if I remember correctly, and then zero in the main stage. So I think we're kind of on par with historical trends at least, but three like kind of screwed everyone's pickums, I think. I, I picked two as well myself, and I, I think we're all we're all screwed now. <laughs> at the same time, I'm I'm excited about the fact that both of those teams had their chance to to show their stuff and and make it right up to the top of the plans. But at the same time, if you ask me, I think that PSG Talon kind of got scammed by the bracket diff. Like if if they were to play GAM in 10 series, in my opinion, PSG would probably win like nine, maybe eight of them. So realistically, if I had the power to kind of change things, I would say that BDS and PSG should be the two teams advancing. But, you know, that's not how the world works. And GAM is deserving in a sense of, of making it because they did win the way they needed to win and yeah that, that that was absolutely wild and then the last thing that i want to touch on and bring up unless you have some other stuff after it too as well being is that it was a wales versus gam uh, final series there both of these vcs teams fought their way through the plans and made it into the finals of course only one of them made it out we know that it was gam now in the end but wales put up a very strong showing throughout the the plans as well i thought that was something very notable shout out to the vcs both of their teams finding their way uh, to that very last round of plans the the kind of issue that i have is that gamverse team Wales series was really sloppy and i think that neither team showed up on the day at least gam of course coming out on top but both teams looked a little shaky in a sense and they both or gam at least was the only one at msi so they they looked weak there too and now they lost to Loud 2-0 in the first series that they played this year, brought it back, but not that well. And then maybe they in the main stage now, they'll be able to stand a chance against perhaps TL or MAD, but otherwise I think they're they're not going to be that great. I would have preferred to see PSG. So yeah, it's it's kind of hit or miss for me there, but I'm I'm gonna have my eyes more on BDS, I think, as the team advancing. Well, yeah, and I mean, that's kind of the point of play-ins anyways. Like, sure, PSG, you would probably favor them in more matchups than GAM. But it's kind of like you said, at the end of the day, that's the way that the brackets are going to crumble. The best team isn't always going to find the win. And sometimes, whether that's through just maybe the best team losing a series in an upset, or sometimes that doesn't even get to happen. You know, you get some matchups like this where they're just kind of sloppy and both teams are kind of like, eh. And then you have that one stacked series of BDS versus PSG where it's like, oh, okay, yeah, like that's what you really would like to see you know it's like to see both of those teams make it out but it's only gonna end up being one of them and in, in my heart of hearts i also had you know bds and psg making it out as my two teams but i had i had to rep golden guardians at least but i think most people unless you know obviously you're a fan of uh, 
one of those minor region teams, those playing region teams, you're probably expecting BDS and PSG as well. Everyone knows PSG from the, the wildcard regions, especially they're one of the more well-known ones now. And then, you know, probably taking the fight of NA versus EU for that second spot. I, I assume most people probably would have leaned for EU just considering, you know, the, the pedigree of the region is a bit higher than North America. Yeah, and then one final shout out I wanted to give to play-ins. I think DFM was kind of a sad team to watch. I think that over the past couple of years, they sort of won me over as as a team that that was exciting to follow. Obviously, they had that instance where they they made it to the world's main stage last year, and and that was sort of a LJL history for them. So, you know, seeing that that issue that they had in the top lane where they had to bring in a temporary player out of retirement. Uh, because they didn't have Evia anymore, it was it was kind of tough to watch. I I will say, but I respect them for coming in, making things happen, and hopefully they'll come back stronger next year. Yeah, I mean, sh- shout out to Appaman too. I I, I got to give him some respect. The guy's thirty, literally thirty one years old. He has a kid, and he is forced to come back in and play top lane at Worlds. He is, you know, a god amongst gods for even just being able to come in and perform at a decent level. And yeah, I mean, DFM, they're just kind of one of those teams where it's like, you know, they're they're the kings of the LJL, but they never quite seem to really get it done internationally. Yeah, and then kind of the transition point, I'd say, with BDS, since they obviously made it out of plans and now will be coming into the main stage, will sort of transition in a sense, uh, bouncing off that team. So I think that the series that they had against PSG, as you kind of guessed based on what I was talking about a minute ago, that series was a lot of hype. They were both teams that showed good things they showed not so good things but in the end sort of poetic for bds they got reverse swept domestically and got denied msi in spring by that mad lion series and now they were the ones that dealt that reverse sweep they reached swiss the elation on their faces afterwards was so fun to see like huge kudos to them but i i will say that in fairness as i was watching that series i was losing hope they lost to team wales earlier on which really sucked Adam Stomping was kind of the only reason that they won game one of that series. And then coming into this PSG series when they were sort of on the upwards trend again, game one was really weak. Game two was even worse. And game three should have been a loss, really, looking at how the first 10, 15 minutes were playing out. And then they somehow get that turnaround. Game four is a comfortable win. They're sort of riding that momentum. And then game five was a bit shaky, really big banger, I'd say. But they played the last few team fights really well pulled it off, got the victory, and now they're through the main stage. So overall, it was the with the narratives, Adam playing the gods, he gets the 100% win rate on Garen if you include the qualifying series as well against GG. Yeah, this team was not someone I, I necessarily had hopes for as plans was progressing, but happy to see them come through. Yeah, it, it was an epic comeback. I mean, truly... The, the reverse sweep is always super hype, and then BDS has their own, you know, unique twist with the champion pick, Shao playing Ivern. I think I think it was only once, but still him being able to pilot the Ivern, he did a pretty good job. And of course, Adam, as everyone knows, playing the Garen, the Olaf, the Darius, the Setter, the Scion, whatever you want it to be for the S. It was definitely a very entertaining series, and it was a very much a great way to end the plans going into the Swiss stage. 
EU finally getting the the fourth seed in NA. Still, you know, we'll we'll, we'll get there eventually. Maybe you know, maybe we'll we'll have four good teams at once. Not if we have not. anything to say about that, my guy. Yeah, yeah, we'll 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 see. We'll see. Don't. I don't care. I mean, I can't, I can't really talk. You know, NA is not doing too hot <laughs> right now, especially if you if you watched uh, the playoffs. Depending on who you're a fan of, the playoffs didn't end the way you wanted them to. Anyways, but anyways, I'll lead it into. Team Liquid coming in as the third NAC Golden Guardians being the fourth. They're done. TL finished 10-8 and eight in the regular season for summer. They ended up losing to the eventual LCS champions NRG 3-2 in the lower bracket finals of the NA playoffs. Uh, it was a tight series you know to give tl some credit there were a couple stomps in their games three and four were kind of stomps one way uh for tl one way for nrg respectively but the other games were fairly close both teams had their moments at the end of the day nrg was the one who pulled it out i will say as a c9 fan going into that series i was definitely rooting for nrg to win because even though nrg kind of had c9's number before c9 did dispatch them 3-0 beforehand so i was definitely looking forward to the nrg matchup in finals i thought tl at least you would think tl you know individually it's a stronger team they got you know summit po shit core jj you know nrg it's like well you know like they got some some good players you know but are you scared of dokla as much as summit or like you know or fbi and ignar versus yan and core that's kind of interesting but i was definitely going to be more afraid of tl but nrg obviously took the win in the end so for tl going in now with uh this spot at worlds the third seed it is a very interesting team right summit back in na he was with c9 for that spring split before getting sent off to china and i mean he's still he's still basically the same old summit he dominates lane the champ pool is the same you know that that you would remember he loves playing the gnar loves playing the renekton a very strong laner uh the if you look at like his top lane uh, stats for like the CSD differential, gold differential, XP differential, and in, in lane, he's he's tops in the league basically in all of those stats. But you know you still want to watch out for him in the side lanes, kind of you know after the lane phase has devolved. He was top five in deaths in the league, so he's still kind of you know playing that role of you know he's can still easily dominate you in lane, but he still needs to work on that. You know, map awareness and stuff outside of it obviously you know as a top lane you're going to get some high deaths anyways you know it just kind of comes with the nature of the role as well po Shik, world champion last year obviously the the great story with deft on on drx again kind of what you would expect from him he came in played you know some aggressive playmaking champs a lot of viego vi uh lisa and he sprinkled in some of the tanks and stuff like that he had a fine season in north america but as an import you probably would have hoped to see more he was far from dominant in in north america and he obviously had some you know criticism i guess you would say at worlds he wasn't like super dominant you know some people like him more than others but he was definitely far from what you would hope that an import level player would be from the guy love of his name and like the value that his name brings especially coming off of winning worlds APA is the big surprise on this team because if again if you're following LCS APA was not the original starter for Team Liquid. Originally they had Harry who they had in uh, Spring Split as well. They subbed him out mid split, uh, mid summer split for APA and he came in and I think was a pretty pleasant surprise. 
he did a solid job he has a very like cool champion pool it's nothing like uh super flashy like for the most part you know but he does have some unique picks in there he's he busted out twisted fate for a game in playoffs i believe he busted out Zareth for a game uh, he played a couple of Andy games as well i think uh another guy who played Andy a bit was mns but still you know it's still a pretty unique pick in terms of the competitive scene so he's not afraid to bust out some of those uh fun picks on the right matchups when it makes sense he wasn't uh that great in the lane again i like to use oracle's elixir and i look at the uh, gold cs xp differential stats at 10 there's some other stuff you know like kda kill participation just basic level stuff that kind of gives you maybe a general sense of how these guys did so apa wasn't that great in lane in the regular season um but for playoffs he did you know kind of step it up a little bit it wasn't uh, a huge performance it was a little bit better still probably one of the reasons why tl was held back a little bit being a rookie coming into that high pressure of a situation. I'm going to be very interested to see him play at Worlds because he is a fun player, but there's going to be a lot of holes in his game, especially if the lane phase is going to be bad. He can definitely get exposed in those matchups at Worlds going against their national mids. Jan won rookie of the split. He had a solid season. Nothing, I'd say, super standout for him. Again, it's going to be kind of a big test for him being a rookie going in there against some of that international competition is going to be very tough. But he he at least does have Core JJ to lean on, who is definitely not in his prime anymore, winning world championships, competing for world championships. But he's kind of what TL needs. They need that kind of leader who can, you know, go around the map and help facilitate things for whether it be Summit or APA or team up with Pioshik and maybe go for some invades and find some aggressive plays for some flashes out, stuff like that. He's a strong leader for them. And when he's not doing that stuff, he's still very capable in lane. I'm sure he's giving Jan a lot of valuable experience so while i'm not expecting much out of team liquid for worlds this year there is a lot of individual talent there if, if you if you showed someone this roster on paper you know who's maybe more of a casual fan they'd see oh my goodness summit like you no know, maybe I, I maybe they recognize summit you know from his time in in korea on sandbox sandbox wasn't that good but he was a strong player on that team and coming to north america on c9 oh i know core jj i know pioshik too this team should be doing really good you know the, the the team aspect hasn't really quite come together to be that strong obviously they they haven't competed for a grand final in north america yet i don't think there's going to be enough time for it to come together at worlds unfortunately the one thing that i would watch out for them though at worlds is their early games because in north america again shout out to oracle's elixir for these stats i don't know exactly how they formulate this one but they had the best early game rating in north america so like whether that be i'd assume it's probably some sort of combination of like maybe cs leads and gold leads and objective control something like that i've had to take a guess at it they did have the strongest early games in north america so maybe if they can find some kind of snowbally games take some teams off guard maybe they do have a solid chance i don't see them making it out of the initial uh, swiss bracket into the knockout stage but you know snowbally snowball a game here or there maybe they find you know a a one win maybe find a second win too if they get some favorable matchups but i don't quite expect tl to make it out yeah i mean i can echo a lot of the stuff you've been saying i think that the key thing to highlight though is you mentioned that on paper they are a pretty good team and i would agree with you but they were also a pretty good team on paper back in spring and they they finished exactly. what seventh in the regular season i think so mm -hmm. they ended up not doing too hot and I, I, in the end, I'm happy to see this resurgence because the team should have been pretty good and now they have demonstrated a lot better. And shout out to APA for sort of reinvigorating the team somehow. I don't know if it was specifically him or a combination of factors, but 
Glad to see him coming in. In the end, though, I think that Pioshik coming back to defend his title, I don't think there's a big chance of that. He's quite possibly one of the weakest players to ever yeah. win Worlds. That's a narrative I've seen going around. So, uh, you know, Core being sort of not quite as good as he used to be, maybe. APA and Jan are both rookies, relatively speaking, so they might not have that full confidence. So the team will probably be a little shaky. I do think that third place in NA is is accurate, and we'll kind of see what they what they do with that. Yeah, there's definitely the individual talent, you know, with some of those guys, but they're mostly past their their primes now. You know, Cordier's been in NA for a while. Summit hasn't been the same since you know coming to C9 and having that kind of meltdown in spring of I believe it was last year. So yeah, the individual talents there, but can they come together as a team? You know, like in this clutch moment at Worlds to try to fight their way through. I don't see it happening now at this point. Yeah. And then we can transition into MAD, the third representative of the LEC. My favorite European team, MAD Lions, see, the GOATs. See, I got one word for you when it comes to this team, and that is frauds. My, no, they're great. No, I, love MAD I, Lions. I cannot agree with you. Like, my hatred <laughs> for this team, like, I will say, the players individually speaking, I've been a supporter of a lot of them for... For the majority of their careers, I think they're exciting to watch, but something about this team just really irks me. It gets on my nerves, if you know what I mean. You'll, you would have seen this if, if you would have been kind of talking to me throughout the year, that my hater moments for Fnatic, who I normally like to hate on, have diminished because this team exists. <laughs> like they something about them has just gotten on my nerves. Like their style, I think this is this is kind of what it comes down to. Their style isn't to make proactive plays and win. It's to wait for the enemy team to int and then slap them with their wallets by the time the late game comes around, which it, it's just such a boring thing to watch. And for some reason, it kept working. And now I'm... It might work against C9 too. I don't think so. Like, I think C9 has that matchup because they have, they've had this time to prep. I think C9 will hopefully come out stronger than they were regionally at the end there. And... I think they're just going to sweep Matt off their feet. Like this strategy that Matt has adopted this year just won't succeed at Worlds when you're facing this top talent. The way they made it to Worlds, right? In the, the regional finals and in the LEC, they had to play one series against XL and XL came on that day. They forgot their keyboards or something and Mega inted 03, which immediately gets Matt into Worlds. They don't have to do anything else. They lost everything else and the, like they're just now the third seed. If BDS matched them at some point, I'm pretty confident they win. Team Heretics, I think, could have won. And XL really should have won if they didn't keep face-checking bushes in that series. It, it got on my nerves, and of course they made it to Worlds despite me. Now, I will give them a bit of credit because I think that Karzi is sort of the, the highlight player here to, to watch, where even at the start of the season when we were doing Western Focus, I mentioned that Karzi and Hilly Botlane will either go 10-0 and or 0-10, and, and that's exactly true. That's what they've done over the past year. They're sort of the hope of the squad. They've had their good moments, and Karzi is that highlight player that's capable of doing some damage, but the issue is that they just aren't consistent enough. So realistically speaking, I'd say that this team is the de facto fourth seed in my mind. I think BDS are better and will perform better, and my prediction, as crazy as it might sound, Mad will lose every single game, just like they did at MSI, and they might even do a repeat of the huge meme, which is the 1647 against T1. If they get to play T1 again, they are going to get 1647. They're going to go out in spectacular fashion. I can't wait to see this team to combust. And I, I want to tune my own horn a little bit here really quickly. Since you brought up, you know, going back to 
it was even the first episode of Western Focus where we broke down EU. I put Madden like sixth, I think, but I did say that like this was like the start of the tier for me, where it's like, hey, like I could see this team like winning like that first split. I believe Matt did win that first split, right? Or was it the second one? It was the second one, spring. Yeah, it was the second one. But you know, like like hey, I, I I gave them the props. It's like, hey, like if all the things come together for this team and they get some help. You know, it can go right for them. And to their credit, they did find that that second split win, and they found their way into Worlds. Like, hey, you know, sure, XL entered their faces off, but that happens. And luckily for Mad, it happened versus them, and they found their way in. So shout out to Mad. I, I like some of the players too. Like, I'm a Niski guy. I love Niski on C9. So like, I have some uh, a little bit of bias towards him, and a, a bit of a I don't know how you would say. I guess like a historical like fanhood towards him a little bit. So shout out to Mad. And I, I do give them a chance against C9, and this works really nicely as going into NA second seed now is Cloud9. They finished 13-5 and five in the regular season, which was for first place, but they lost in finals three games to one to NRG, and it was it was pretty convincing. Like, C9 did win the, the first game in a very strong blowout, and I think at that point everyone was just kind of thinking, I think even C9 too, like, okay, like, we got them. Like, we don't we don't really got to try too hard anymore. Like, we, we see how we how we manhandled them here we manhandled them three games to zero in the previous series to uh, i believe it was to advance to this finals for c9 and then they just kind of like fell apart like it, it was really mystifying to watch because even though c9 kind of similar to golden guardians they did kind of take a step down as the summer split and playoffs progressed it like I still didn't see a world where they would actually lose to NRG. Now, NRG slash CLG has had C9's number for some reason, you know, in, in playoff series and best of ones in the regular season, but that 3-0 convinced me that C9, you know, finally figured it out. They're just a better team now, but it all kind of fell apart uh, in that last series, and I think a big part of it was due to the mid laner, MNS. MNS came in for Diplex in the spring split. Diplex was, you know, he was doing fine. He was more so like doing better out of lane. The lane phase was really weak. And MNS was just, you know, praised as being this like mechanical guy. He can win a lane pretty reliably. And, you know, he's got a bit of a toxic attitude on him at times, but he's a phenomenal mechanical player. And that did show off when he was first coming into the league and getting that kind of like honeymoon period. And I guess if we want to call it that, he was very strong. And to give him credit, he still was very strong throughout most of the season. He led NA mids in KDA by like about a full point. His his regular season KDA was a 5.7 and then the next close was a 4.5. So he was clearly doing something right, but you could just watch his games and he was losing a lot of lanes. He was making stupid mistakes in lane, out of lane. He just was not anywhere near that same player he was first coming in. And then when C9 was really peaking, kind of, you know, going in to the spring finals and even the early parts of summer when they were still looking pretty decent. And now you add on top of this with this fall off in mechanical play and you know going around the map with the team and finding smart decisions, he recently found himself into some toxic drama on Summoner's Rift on in, in solo queue, I believe it was Korean solo queue with Spearshot. He's a European Pantheon, I believe, one trick, and you MNS flamed him in solo queue. He had a bad game or whatever Spearshot did. And MNS told him basically like some not nice things, nothing like super like, you know, 
super toxic, but then he said, like, you know, go back home, you know, go back to where you came from or whatever, something along those lines. I don't have the exact uh, context in front of me. But, you know, they ended up, the LCS, I believe, came out with a punishment for him, saying that they were going to fine him and send him to, like, uh, some, like, program or whatever, you know, to, like, you know, say why this stuff is wrong, etc., etc. So he's going to be under heavy scrutiny, not only just for, you know, his play on the Rift, but for his toxicity as well. People are going to be watching him, I think, under a very close eye. He does have a contract through 2025, though, with C9. Now, a lot of people think that he's probably not going to be coming back, so that's definitely going to be the, the kind of final icing on the cake. He, he is under contract, but this is going to be a very, very pivotal world. It's probably the most pivotal performance for a player. I think he'll need to do well to have a shot at cementing his spot on the team. And even then, he might be too much of a liability in terms of his personality that he might not be able to stick around either. I don't know how that's going to work, but I wish Amanes the best of luck in proving his doubters wrong. Going to the rest of the team now, I mean, C9's still really good. Like, you look at the players, and again, it's like, again, if you follow the league, Fudge, very solid top laner. He just knows how to get the job done. He's a he's a real solid rock for that team. He in in the LCS he was blind picking most of his matchups. He blind picked his champ 75% of the time. It was usually Renekton or Cassante. And and he just did, you know, he did his job. He was super, super strong. He has the right counter pick potential, and as we've seen in international events before, he likes to pick the Fiora on the right spot. He'll play the Jacks, you know, in the right spot. And for this world now, he's going to just have to kind of find that form and build some positive momentum. This would be a great opportunity to do it against Mad Lions, you know, the team where obviously Bean has showed uh, his, his criticisms of them. Blabber, still a very strong jungler. He played a lot more tanks this season than usual. What you'd expect out of Blabber, you'd expect him as a very aggressive, carry-oriented jungler. But he's still probably the best jungler in North America. He finds that action around the map. He always seems to be involved in something, whether it's good or bad. Berserker. Best ADC in NA, for sure. He is still super there mechanically and stuff like that. But in watching his games, there were, you know, more than there was more than one fight where he's just kind of coming in late at the end and cleaning it up. I don't know if it's just a miscommunication with the team that they go in early and Berserker is just not there yet, or if Berserker is not listening to the call. Maybe he's like finishing shoving out a wave or doing something, you know, and then he's just getting there late and it's, and it's his fault and not listening to the team. But I remember vividly multiple fights where like this, oh, the fight's like on edge, on edge, and then Berserker just comes in full health out of nowhere and then cleans it all up. So it's like he, is, he does have the mechanics to be able to come in and completely save the fight for C9, which they absolutely have needed. But I also want to see more consistency out of him. I, I want him to be on that same page with the team, you know, consistently, like uh, like 99% of the time, because that's what's going to help you at these international events playing against these better teams. You're not going to be able to just come in and hero some of these fights, so you're going to have to be on the same page. And I do like Sven as a support, did diversify his champion pool. He kind of had to the split because tanks were more so the meta than the enchanters. I like Sven. I think he's still obviously new to those, to the role of support specifically but he still, you know, he at least has this full year under his belt now, and obviously he has the familiarity of it to some extent with playing ADC for so long. I'm not expecting a lot out of Sven, you know, just be a be a solid performer, don't interface off, you know, hopefully you can win some lanes with Berserker. I think that's going to be a really fun matchup in that first game, Berserker and Sven versus Karzy and Hillisang, right? Yeah, I'd say that that's probably where my attention would be watching these two teams play. 
I think that in both cases, Berserker is sort of the star of C9 in terms of pop-off carry, and Karzi is the exact same story. So, like, kind of watching through playoffs, because I didn't see the whole regular season, but I did watch all of playoffs for NA. I think the biggest frustration for how I was watching C9 play is that the team sort of didn't play around Berserker for some reason, at least not all the time, where he's this guy that has the potential, as you said, to, to pop off, to carry, and he comes up, cleans out fights. But for some reason, sometimes C9 wasn't inclined to play around him at times. And I think there were a couple instances where they had him on Seraphine. I'm not sure if I'm remembering that wrong. I, I want to see Berserker be the star of the show, have them put the resources into him and allow him to kind of shut down Karzi. And then they really should beat Matt if that's the case. Like the the team slumped in the finals, we'll give it that, but I think that they should be realistically the most likely team from NA to make it through to the top eight if it happens. And I, I want them to to get back on their groove, play through Berserker and and show what they can do. Yeah, and I can't recall any Seraphine games, but I, I do want to give you the credit there because this is one of the stats I wrote down for him was that in the regular season, his damage per minute and damage share and his gold percentage so gold percentage is like the amount of percentage of gold that the team is allocating to him was the lowest of all north american adcs damage per minute damage shares so the percentage of damage he was doing on the team you know in correlation to all the other adcs in the league and same thing for gold percentage was all the lowest so he definitely was not getting the resources all of the time and again kind of just coming into that point of not being there all the time in fights and just kind of coming in and cleaning them up. I'm sure if he's being able to be in the right position at the right exact time with his team, I'm sure all of those numbers are way up and Stan probably has some more wins, you know, whether that be in regular season or the playoffs. So it, it will still be something interesting to follow with Berserker despite his mechanical prowess. You know, there's definitely room for improvement, and I think that's part of the reason why C9 lost to NRG. They just sometimes did not have that same common goal. They weren't always on the same page. Now, with this all being said, I will back up Blue again. C9 is probably everyone's favorite for North America to do anything. They're always NA's last hope, especially if they can find some favorable matchups, like luckily for them they have already in the first round with uh, Mad Lions. But they do need to be able to kind of, you know, come together and, and figure it out and just be like, hey, you know what, Berserker, you're the guy, okay? You know, give, give MS his opportunities, you know, see if he can do it, right? Because this is going to be a big event for him. Hey, Fudge might get the counter pick. He might get a Fiora game. He might get a Jax game. He might get something interesting, you know? Like, don't, don't be afraid to let them be the secondary guys. Don't let them be afraid to be like an X factor in a game. Like, hey, you know what? This, this matchup right here, Fudge, you know, you're going against like, you know, maybe a you know, a, a, a minor region playing top laner, or you're playing it against, like, you know, maybe a, a fourth seed top laner from, you know, Korea or China, you know, even though it's, like, the shy, you know, but it's, like, still, like, you know, maybe you can, maybe you can bully this matchup here, okay, and we'll give you that opportunity, but it's got to be Berserker making sure that he is set up every single game, because he is far and away the best player on the team, and that's, that, that's just going to have to be how it is for C9. I love them to death, I think it's going to be interesting for them. They definitely have the potential to get into the knockout stage. The one thing that I am kind of intrigued by them for is that they had the quickest average game time in the LCS at 28 minutes. 
that's obviously probably not going to hold up internationally. Madeline, sure, maybe they might win in 28 minutes, but if they're playing against a Chinese or a Korean team, they're probably not going to be winning sub-30. Get Berserker on a scaling carry. You know, don't be afraid to play for the late game. Like, it seems like a lot of teams, when they get into these matchups against, you know, the, the big bads of China and Korea, they want to try to, you know, go for a volatile play, maybe find a crazy level one. And sometimes that works, right? But if it goes bad, then you literally have no chance of winning. Don't be afraid to play for the late game. You know, pick pick a, a hyper carry bot laner, pick, you know, maybe a crazy carry mid lane for MNS, give him that opportunity. You probably have a better shot of just scaling up and hoping that, hey, maybe they'll make a mistake late game. Because if they make one mistake at 50 minutes, that's a lot more impactful than if you find them off guard maybe at like two minutes or three minutes on a cheeky invade because then you have to rely on your skill to be able to end that game quickly and you're probably not going to be able to outskill those teams so largely that early in the game that it's actually going to happen so scale up get berserker going and c9 can make it out yeah fully agree with what you're saying and you're the expert here on c9 i know it's your favorite team and we'll be seeing what they can do but uh, moving on to Fnatic as the second seed for the LEC now. As much as I enjoy being a hater for them, you know I'm a Fnatic hater. We can't ignore the fact that they were ninth and eighth pre-MSI. But after rebuilding the roster, they now ended it third in the summer and then second at season finals. So it's a massive step up for this team. They, they kind of had to scrounge the bottom of the barrel with where they started, build up those championship points. They made it in the end. Happy to see them back at the top where they belong. They're a good rival for G2, and I want to see them keep doing that. So my highlights for this team coming into Worlds now have to be Razork, the jungler, and Humanoid, the mid laner, which the reason for that kind of. Razork is sort of the the guy that was used as sort of a scapegoat, I think, when Fnatic had the, the downwards trend, and he he's had a tendency to go in at times that weren't necessarily right, either because the team wasn't there or for whatever reason it was, ends up dying and it looks really bad. But I think he he was sort of the one guy, from my perspective at least watching this team, that really should have stayed on the roster as much as he didn't look that great because he had the potential. He's shown it before with both Misfits and then Fnatic last year. So I think he is a really solid player. And he, the reason he looked so int is because when Fnatic was down, Oscar was inting in the beginning or before Oscar even came in, the team struggled to get those leads with Reckless kind of underperforming as one of the worst AD carries in the league. I think Razork was the guy that identified, okay, we need to take a low percentage play here. We're going to lose anyway. We got to try something. And then it looks int because it doesn't work, but he tried. And now that he has a better team around him, he's really stepped it up. He's playing really well. He's probably at his best in his career, I'd even ventured so far as to say. And he, he will be sort of a guy to set them up. But then Humanoid, he's the main carry for this team in the season finals, that, that sort of bracket that EU had at the end, the final, 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 as some people like to say. And historically speaking, when you look at this player, he tends to step up even more when he ends up international at Worlds. So I'm hoping to see that again now that the regional league is over. I don't need to hate them anymore. I'm a supporter of Fnatic now. I want to see Humanoid step up as he has before, be that carry, and then Razor kind of support him. They go around and do things around the map. And then Trimby, of course, no slouch either. He came in from Koi, absolutely scammed Koi. They took Advien. 
Fnatic got Trimby, and then they looked better for it. So Trimby's a great player. He's shown that he's be developed into a great shot caller, and he plays well with Razorks. So another kind of piece of that puzzle to hopefully help them succeed. But then my biggest worry for this team is Noah, and especially Oscar. So Oscar, obviously long way from the int machine he was when he debuted. That first week was awful. People kind of memed him for it, but I don't think that was fair. Second week, third week of that uh, summer season, he, he really stepped it up and started performing well. And now that he's at his first international, I think nerves might play a factor. He, he showed a bit of nerves when he debuted in LEC, and now maybe it'll be the same thing. So I think he will have a bit of a hard time fighting against some of the Eastern top laners. He will be a bit of a sore spot. But then Noah as well, I think is maybe a surprise at this point. He joined in as the guy that died only three times in the summer regular season. As time kind of progressed, he sort of revealed that he has a lot of the same downsides that Reckless did, even at his prime, where he he's become sort of a KDA player, is, is something that people will maybe slap the label on him, where he, he doesn't really go for the riskier plays. He tries to keep it safe, stays at the back line. Sometimes he's sort of the only player to walk out of a fight alive if it goes bad. And now that the meta's kind of changed into a Zaya Kaisa meta, we've seen in play-ins, and maybe that'll be the same case for the main stage, he's been a player that relied on Felios and Zeri when he was popping off. So now that those champions, especially Zeri, have been nerfed and phased out, I don't think he'll quite be at the same level now. So I'm a little worried about him as well, and Oscar as well for being that rookie that might show a bit of nerves. So Fnatic as a whole, I'd say, could take some games. That first matchup against LNG will be really difficult, and I'm not sure they have what it takes to win that one. But I'm hoping they show at least some good performances, maybe show that they can compete even if they don't win, and maybe take some games later on. But I'm very much 50-50 on their odds of advancing. It's not impossible, but I wouldn't really put my money on it either. And I do think we we do have to give a lot of credit to Fnatic, because this was not like an easy thing for them to get to, an easy point for them to get to. They overhauled over half of their roster to get here, I believe, right? Trimby didn't start out with them in, uh, was it the winter split, right? Yeah, they replaced the top laner for Oscar, and then Reckless and, uh, what was it, Rux that started off the year, but then Rux, they got replaced. Yeah, that's who it was, Rux. They got replaced by Noah and Trimby in the summer season, so yeah, definitely a big overhaul, and they stepped up for it. Yeah, the, they needed to do something. Just like you were saying, their performances in the winter and spring were not anywhere where they needed to be. And as much as the rookies will definitely be tested in the international stage, huge props to Oscar and Noah for coming in and get, helping get this team to the fact that they're the second seed coming out of Europe. That is crazy from where they started the year, making such big changes. Wonder's a huge name gone reckless everyone loves reckless you know for his prime and stuff now nah, i know he's a bit of a controversial guy you know gone rux didn't work out bringing us established support in with trimby and it, it worked out like that's a huge risk to take they could have easily have bombed out not come together oscar stinks and his face off the whole year noah isn't and ended up being that good maybe trimby you know even though he's probably going to be a good player regardless he's not enough to just help lift up that team so huge props to fanatic for finally you know getting something together, making a big change when they needed to, and it worked out for them. I completely agree with your opinions on them in terms of like, yeah, you know, Humanoid's obviously going to have to be probably the big guy. We'll see if Noah can really, you know, step up on the international stage being, you know, a rookie, I believe, a really young player. 
it's going to have to be humanoid. Razork's going to have to kind of really do a good job facilitating. Hopefully Trimby can help him facilitate around the map, find some good roam timers and stuff, help get everyone going. But it's going to be an interesting challenge for them. You know, it's, 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 it's a young team with those two guys coming in, especially at the AD carry position, even though the meta is kind of, you know, strict on the champions that are that are the best in adc so it kind of helps him out a little bit he can really kind of focus on honing in on you know like your kaisa your zaya and then like you know there's kind of like you know ezreal gets sprinkled in maybe Callista gets sprinkled in maybe zeri gets sprinkled in still but there's going to be an opportunity for them again lng kind of a tough draw you know, LNG is super dominant in China, even though that they are only the third seed out of there. They took JDG to five games in the grand finals for summer split in, in the LPL. So not what you want to see round one, but who knows, you know, after that, after this first round, it's pure random in terms of how the the teams get, you know, matched up going from beyond this first round. So they have a chance. I don't know how likely it's going to be. I think he did a good job breaking them down. I liked Fnatic when I was getting into the scene first. I loved Reckless and Yellow Star and all those guys. Now we'll see what they can do with a completely different roster that they needed to make changes to, and luckily for them it worked out. So now this will lead us into the first seed out of North America. It's not Cloud9, obviously. It is NRG, formerly known as CLG. In case you didn't hear about it, CLG did end up going under. They are not a brand anymore. They're not an organization anymore. It's a very sad time for the North American scene, losing such a legacy team like CLG, Hotshot, GG, you know, and all that history coming from the very beginning of the scene till now. But NRG comes in, and again, huge, huge props to them. They found a way to win. They only went 9-9 nine and nine in the regular season, a 500 record. But they beat C9-3-1 in the Summer Finals, and like I said before, it was a pretty convincing series. They got manhandled in the first game, but other than that, it was a strong showing out of NRG. And I think the one thing that NRG definitely had that C9 didn't have was that team play in, like, you know, the, the mid-late game as it evolved. They had the lowest regular or one of the lowest uh, early game ratings in North America but they had a huge improvement in their mid and late game ratings they've always seemed to find ways when they were winning games it was usually because they found a way as a team later on to find the right opportunities back in and that kind of makes sense because you look at the individual players and there's not really anyone that's like to stand out in their role. Dokla's been around the scene for a while in the top lane. He was just kind of on like, you know, Renekton and Cassante duty. He wasn't strong in lane, you know, and you watched his games like, yeah, like he's clearly not a good laner, but he finds the right angles in team fights enough of the time that he's definitely a serviceable player up there. Is he some superstar? No, but he's kind of you know, just like I mentioned before with C9, Fudge is like a strong, you know, like rock up there in the top lane. You know what you're going to get out of them every single game. You know, Fudge obviously has, a, I'd say, more carry potential than Dokla does. Dokla's kind of like a couple tiers down. He's solid, you know, like you're fine with him in your top lane. And especially if he can find what he did around the map in the LCS, then you'll, you'll definitely take that as a serviceable player there. Contracts was interesting because obviously when Contracts came into the league with C9 and stuff many years ago at this point now, he was an aggressive carry style jungler. This year, again, kind of similar to Blabber even, it was a lot of tank duty, but you know he's obviously grown up a lot since then, he's come a long way since then. Again, nothing really super stand out about him during the regular season and, and the playoffs, but they always just seem to find those plays at the same time. And you can kind of just go down the order of this team. You can get into Palafox. He's a bit more interesting. He has a bit, you know, of a wider champion pool. He, you know, he has some more interesting picks, but, you know, he still will 
not be afraid to bust out the normal ones like the Azir and stuff like that. He's probably the, the secondary carry on this team between him and FBI, who's their AD carry. FBI is definitely the best player on the team, but Palafox has had a lot of moments where he's, you know, found the big play, and he's been, like, a very solid carry for a North American team. It's going to be very intriguing to see him at the world's level because it's going to be his first time really going to an international event. He's a young player in terms of, like, LCS experience, but he's been around the scene for a while in, like, academy and stuff like that. FBI is going to have to be kind of the guy they rely on, though. Kind of, it's like, a, it's... When I think of them, it's like kind of like you just tone down a lot of the stuff on C9, and like you kind of have NRG. You have Dokla up there again, kind of a solid player. Contracts used to be a very aggressive jungler with the carries and stuff, still kind of is, but he's like, you know, like a bargain bin kind of blabber, if you want to call him that. Palafox has that, you know, again, solid, you know, secondary carry potential. I'd say MS on his good day has that, but obviously MS should have better mechanics. FBI, solid ADC. He's, you know, again, kind of that good, solid glue guy to have there in that role for North America. And he definitely stepped up in the playoffs because he's going to have to do that again here at the world stage and then some. And then Ignar, at least he has, you know, a lot more experience at support. You know, he's, he's known for his playmakers. He's known to play, you know, like those kind of initiator champions throughout his career. So he's in a really good spot for this meta for him. And he's going to need to, again, really help enable FBI. Hopefully, you know, maybe they can get Palafox, you know, stable in, in the lane because he's not always a great laner in North America. So, again, laning experience is going to come down really big when it comes to these rookie players. These players who, again, maybe they've been around NA for a while, but they haven't sniffed the international stage yet. That's going to be the pivotal point for these teams, whether it be, you know, C9 or TL or NRG. My opinion on NRG is like, I could see them, I view them basically as just like a pure wildcard team. Like not literally in the sense of like being like a wildcard region, but like I have no idea what to expect from them. Like C9, I'd expect them to do decent, you know, but that they can very easily not, right? TL, I'm not expecting much out of them at all. Like again, as I said before, the, the individual talent is there to some extent, but the team play usually hasn't been there. NRG has the team play, but they don't have like that really standout carry where you're like, you know what? I trust this guy to like 1v9 a game. In North America, sure, but against international competition, can I trust like FBI to 1v9 against like G2? Probably not. Can I trust him to, to 1v9 against, like, Weibo or LNG or KT or D+. I, I wouldn't. Like, maybe good, you know? He, he might have it in him, but I don't see it in him. So, NRG is going to be a team where it's like, hey, you know what? Maybe they continue that form from finals, right? Maybe FBI keeps on popping off. Maybe they keep finding the right plays around the map at the right times. And they find a couple wins. And maybe, who knows, maybe they do get some favorable matchups over the course of the of the Swiss stage. And they find a couple wins. But do I expect that to be the main thing from them? Probably not. I just don't see the, the talent there at an individual level despite the team play being there. Because when you stack them up pound for pound against any of the Korean teams, against any of the Chinese teams... Even if the team play is there, you got to be able to have that one guy that you can rely on to take them down. And I just don't think they have that guy. I don't think they have a go-to player that is actually at that level. It's going to have to be FBI, but I don't think he's ready for, uh, for that stage. And he's been around a while. I just don't think he's going to be able to do enough to help make this team go through the Swiss stage. They can find a win. You know, get a right matchup. They can find a win. Team play is going to matter, but I just don't see it mattering enough to get them out. 
Yeah, I kind of agree with a lot of what you've been saying here about this team. And they are a bit of an interesting case study for me, I'd say, where the individual players on like by themselves, they're all relative nobodies if you really think about it. They haven't had pop-off seasons before. They haven't been on the highlight reels or anything like that. These on an individual scale, besides maybe FBI, who's won the LCS before, they just really aren't that great. So then you look at the team as a whole and they've won the LCS now. So something about them really clicked and kudos to them. It, it worked and I'm glad to see that. It'll be interesting to see, as you said, how they're going to stack up where I personally, I have them winning that first round against Weibo, partly for the memes, I'll be honest with you, but partly because Weibo's sort of a hit, of, hit or miss team yeah, and energy kind of has... No, I like, hear me out, man. I think that energy has a decent chance. Like, Weibo's the fourth seed, energy's the first seed, as much as they might not be as good as Cloud9 on paper. I think that there's a chance there. So I'm going to hold, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed because I do cheer for the West and we'll see what happens. Yeah, like that, the thing with that series, though, it, it goes back to just what I think where, again, the team play is going to matter, but pound for pound, are you taking, like, you know, FBI and Ignar over Light, you know, in that, I forget who their support is off the top of my head. Are you taking, you know, Palafox over, uh, I believe it's Shaohu, right? Like, like Dokla versus the Shy, even though the Shy has not been performing like the Shy has been. Like, you're still taking the Shy over Dokla. Like, any one of those guys they have, whether it's the Shy, Weiwei, Shaohu, Light, like, any single one of those guys can find a carry performance in them, especially against just the the individual players of of nrg i just i i think that's that's the most wild prediction i've, I've seen probably is nrg over Weibo, even if it is a best of one hey man we'll see on thursday yeah i mean I, I'm, I'm the na guy you know like i just no that, that that that's wild but anyways let's get into the final number one seed out of uh, europe now yeah and happy to say no secret this team is my favorite g2 won yep. won the winter Kind of scuffed it in the in the spring and ended up losing to Mad Lions, who then won. Also fraud. I'm gonna put it out there, but they they then came back. They they showed a decent performance at MSI. They won the summer and then they won the regional finals. So huge huge kind of plays from this team. And I think as much as I'd hype them up because I'm a fan, I don't think it's really all that controversial to say that they're the best Western team right now. On paper, especially considering that now we do Swiss instead of groups, their odds of reaching the top eight are looking kind of good, I'd say. Like, possibly even based on the draw that they get, if they make it to quarters, they might even reach semis. So... Um, re- yeah, Spring C9 might have had a shot against G2, but not how they looked at the end of summer. So yeah, I'd say G2 is definitely the best of the West right now. Yeah, and I think a lot of that comes down to sort of the, the way that they've been playing. Like they have a lot of draft versatility and a lot of room for experimentation that they, they kind of pull off with some of these weird picks that nobody else has been playing. Like there was a point in time where Yike was the only player in the entire LEC to play Lilia. I think over the course of the whole year, he's got like three, four games on Lilia and every other t- team in the world in the LEC has zero. So kind of picks like that, or he busts out the Belveth and, and plays really well on that when nobody else is playing it. So he and the team have have that kind of versatility in, in the way that they play. And they have at this point, based on what they showed in regional finals, they've got these champion deep oceans in every single role. 
And at MSI, they proved that their style has potential. Like, sure, they lost all the series they played against the East, but they took some games and they didn't necessarily get look like it was a stomp, right? They they made it competitive and then probably lost the series because of either by bad fight execution at some point or or something not necessarily game breaking that they they could work on it and become better. So I think that they're coming to Worlds with even better form they showed at MSI, and they have a real shot. I have them making it out of out of the Swiss stage for my pickums. So kind of walking it through the the roles individually. Broken Blade in the top lane, I think, has been in the conversation for the best EU top, besides maybe Wonder when he was around for some time now. And at MSI, he was G2's best performer, best player on an individual scale, I'd say. And since then he's only been on the rise. He he had a couple games, even now most lately, where he was the guy that won like he had a Swain game where he completely popped off, won a fight almost by himself. Like this guy is is showing that he can play the game well. So given that EU historically has been gapped the most in the top role specifically, I think this is a good time to, for BB to come in and, and show what he can do. Then in the jungle, we've got Yike who, you know, he's a rookie, nerves can exist. I'd say that for every rookie and it's, it's possibly a factor. So I have to add that caveat, but he showed up at MSI he played through the play-ins even, and then the main stage. So he has that experience on an international stage at this point. And while he wasn't necessarily amazing at MSI, he also wasn't really getting gapped. So I think that he has potential now with a little bit more practice, a little more time with the team to do some damage. And then moving on to mid lane caps, the EU GOAT. He's shown perks at this point. He's won more titles. That was official as of this year. As much as he kind of looked dead in spring and then subpar at MSI, he's really stepped it up since then big time. He's dominated at the LEC regional finals most recently. And now looking at his solo queue stats in Korea, he's got a 70% win rate or more on every single champion he's playing, which is kind of nuts. Then we come down to support. I'm skipping AD carry for a reason. Mickey, of course, another remnant of 2019 G2 along with Caps. He's also looking extremely informed. He deservedly got the 2023 MVP domestically. And I, I very much agree with that. He, he played really well. His engages, his macro, it all looks really clean. And while it's not too common seeing supports making highlights, he kind of does. So really excited to see what he can do. And then Hans, I'm leaving for last because he's probably my area of biggest concern, Hans Sama in, in the AD carry role. The whole year, he looked pretty good. But I, I wonder, kind of looking at his play and the team around him, whether it's a function of having Mickey in the lane with him that kind of boosts him, and then he has stars across the board, which maybe kind of raise him up again. So especially in summer and regional finals, I can't really think of a single individual game where he was the carry. He kind of just sort of got fed when the team got fed and, and kind of scaled up with them. And, you know, he did his job, but he wasn't really popping off. And considering that ADC is probably one of the best looking roles, if not the best looking role across the board with players like Ruler existing, I kind of worry that when he gets to these Eastern teams, some of the better ones that he'll kind of be exposed, maybe the teams play through bot, identify him as a weakness and, and win that way. Where he was originally touted as sort of a nutty Draven, lately it hasn't really been picked that much. So maybe it's his confidence not being in the champ anymore, or maybe it didn't meet his team's needs in the draft. I'm not really sure what it is, but I think that Hans for me is sort of the the weakest link, even though he's not that weak. So overall, I think that as the team continues to develop, I, they'll be unpredictable with their strategies, I hope, and kind of bring that that spark to, to catch people off guard. 
I think they are a contender to go far, but probably won't win Worlds is kind of where I put them. Yeah, and, and to lean into your Han Solo point, like even when he was in NA, when he came over to Team Liquid, people were noticing like there was definitely a drop off in his play coming from EU to NA. Maybe just, you know, maybe that's just might be who he is now. He might not be, you know, as good as he was before. Maybe coming to NA for that one, I mean, if it was a split, if it was the whole year, maybe just did something to him. I don't know. Like that, that tends to have that impact on people. They come to NA and they get worse pretty soon after it. But, you know just might, might not be the the guy anymore and luckily he is on g2 where he has you know broken blade around him he has caps around him he doesn't have to be the main carry anymore if that's not what the game calls for you know you can rely on caps and maybe broken blade gets a solid game too you know so could be something definitely to watch out for for han sama but yeah g2 is definitely the best western team i completely agree with you in that and they definitely have the best potential to to go far in the tournament they'll They'll have some interesting time stacking up, assuming they make it out, you know, against, you know, obviously any of the, the top uh, Korean or Chinese seeds. But they, they've had their moments in, in history of, you know, playing really close series. So I wouldn't put it past G2 to, to make a statement and surprise some people of making it out, maybe even out of quarters or something like that. So they'll definitely be the best team to watch in terms of results. And then probably after them, I'd probably say C9 in theory. I'd agree with you on but... that. It's kind of really just like a crapshoot. It's kind of a crapshoot after G2, I mean. No, I'd say that G2 is sort of the best in the West right now. C9 would probably be a nice second, and then like Fnatic Energy after that, and, and the rest of the teams just aren't yeah. good enough, I'd say. Now there you go, everybody. There is the NA and EU breakdown, breaking down all of the seeds for both regions going into the World Championships. We're coming in at just over an hour, but don't go anywhere because we are rolling right on into a quick breakdown of each of the Korean and Chinese teams to make it in, as well as I'll do a quick rundown of GAM at the end. Obviously, they deserve it, making it in through plans. So I'll lead it off with Weibo Gaming coming out of China as the fourth seed. They got eliminated in quarterfinals in the main stage of playoffs, but they were able to advance through the Chinese regional qualifier in a 3-1 series win over Edward Gaming. As I mentioned before in talking about the NRG game that they'll have coming up, uh, Shahu and Light are the two main guys on that team. Shahu obviously coming over from RNG and Light from LNG in the mid and 80 carry roles respectively. Light had the highest KDA of any of the LPL ADCs. Even with those two big guys up there and everyone loves the shy, I'd say they are definitively the fourth seed in the LPL. It's not necessarily a dig on Weibo. It's just that the, the three teams ahead of them are behemoths like oh my goodness and we'll get to those teams later we're going to keep doing this back and forth kind of repetition pattern here that's the fourth seed out of china weibo gaming the shy in the top lane not quite where he used to be as before he's been you know yeah they got weiwei and karsa in the jungle but it's usually been weiwei starting as of late shahu mid light are the two main carries so there you have it yeah i think Kind of a shout out has to go to the shy. Like if you're in the scene, you know who Kadrill is. He's he's been touting the shy partly because of memes. I think it started as a meme, but now he's he's all in on that bandwagon. And yeah, I'd agree with you that Shaohu for, for me was the guy that really got them to worlds. He he's not necessarily the best on anyone's tier list, but he he played really well and he sort of was the backbone and then light of course and the shy with their performances supported that so i think that honestly speaking they overperformed to reach worlds you're never really certain what kind of weibo you're getting but 
yeah, like realistically, this is the team from the East that's the most likely to miss the top eight, but decent odds that they'll still make it. We'll have to see what happens. Yeah, the, the, their highs are just way too high to like, I'd say safely predict them like not advancing. It can definitely happen. There's always that one team that surprises, but the, I, I think the highs are just way too high to, to keep them out of there, uh, honestly speaking. Yeah, and then moving on to the fourth seed coming out of Korea, that's Damwon, or sorry, they've rebranded so many times it's hard to keep track. It's D, D plus Kia. Kia. Make sure you get that right. It's D plus Kia. But, you know, on paper, this is a team that really should be succeeding. They didn't really have that performance over the course of this year. So split opinion on them in general is what I, I would say, where on the one hand, they're kind of underperforming because the parts... Like you've got on this roster, you've got Canyon, you've got Showmaker, you've got Deft. These are historically big players. They should be performing well, but for some reason, the sum of these parts just isn't good. It's kind of the opposite of energy, if you will. But on the other hand, they're overperforming because Hanwha Life should have been fourth. They, they came in fourth both in spring and in summer in the regular season. But then DK pulled off that upset, stole their spot in Worlds. So now they're here. For me, Canyon will be the player to watch. Mechanically, he's still a candidate for the best jungler in the world, a lot of people will say. But I'd say that part of the reason he hasn't been that great was the meta was iffy for him this year, where he likes to play make, he likes to be a pop-off player. But when you play like Maokai, Sejuani, Ivern, you're not the pop-off guy. That's not what your role is. So, you know, lately I, I looked up his solo queue out of curiosity. He's been doing a lot of Nidalee and a lot of Lee Sin in solo queue. So... Nidalee very meta is what I've been hearing. Lee a little bit. That's how you know it's Worlds, baby. Nidalee, Lee Sin, they're all back in the jungle. Yes, sir. Lee got those buffs because Riot has to make sure he gets played. Yeah, Oriana's back in mid lane. I mean, it's every Worlds, man. Oriana permaban and plans. We'll see what happens next. But yeah, if, if he kind of secures some of these playmaking champs, I think Kenyon will be the player to watch, and I hope to see good things out of him, just not against G2, kind of. You know, tone it down, maybe play better later. Um, but then Showmaker and Deft as well. Shout out to them. They've been historically great. Obviously, both world champions. Deft is now the reigning world champ coming to defend his title. Um, but they haven't really been on form this year. Like Deft, he played Lucian Nami in the spring and looked really, really good. But then after that, both of these players were sort of tapering off, not really having that performance you'd expect. And then Kana in the top lane, he was on T1 for a time. But he and Kellen have relatively unremarkable careers, so I don't think they'll be kind of the stars of the show. It'll be the others. So theoretically, I think that looking at the competition they have, they should theoretically make top eight as well. But it'll rely a bit on who they match up against that seeding that happens since it's kind of randomized, and we'll see if they can do it. Yep, I'd say that, I mean, some people don't like... Uh... KT as much, some people don't like Damwon as much, but I'd say that, again, other than Weibo, that D-plus is probably going to be that, hey, if there's definitely a weaker seed in China or Korea, it's probably going to be them, other than, you know, again, the volatility of Weibo. So they'll definitely be one to watch just out of the curiosity and seeing if they can all find their form and come together at the right moment now that they're at the world stage. So now going back to China, the third seed from the LPL is LNG Sports. They went 12-4 and in the regular season. As I believe I mentioned this before, they lost to JDG three games to two in the Summer Grand Finals. That was an absolute 
banger of a series. It was so back and forth. It was absolutely nuts. They ended up beating EDG 3-1 in the upper bracket of the regional qualifier. They advanced first, and then EDG went down to play Weibo. They lost to Weibo. So that's how they lost twice. Uh, that's how EDG lost twice 3-1 in the LPL uh, regional qualifier. And I mean, the roster on LNG is just stacked. Like Again, these top three seeds out of China are huge. You'll, you'll remember Tarzan from Griffin and that era of that brief era of them in Korea when they were coming out onto the scene. They got Scout in from EDG, obviously a world champion. They got Gala in from RNG, one of the best ADCs in the world. Scout, one of the best mids. Tarzan, same thing. And then the one underrated guy that you might not know about if you're just not really following China that much is Zika. He only started playing pro in 2022. He's their top laner. But he has been absolutely smurfing it for basically the entire run of his time up there in LNG so far. He has been super, super dominant. The stats are there to back it up. You watch the guy play, it backs it up. He is very, very, very solid. I believe in KDA, I think he was top two or three. I didn't, I didn't end up writing it down, but I believe he was top two or three in the regular season, just behind 369. So he is up there. He has massive potential on him to continue developing and growing, hopefully. LNG is a true dark horse to win this tournament they're not quite the favorites you know obviously you know jdg's probably going to be that as we'll get into talking about them later but they have a huge huge opportunity to really make something special happen this is a stacked roster from top to bottom and they are definitely a team that you will have to be watching as favorites to win it all probably by the end yeah so kind of as you mentioned i will highlight again that they may be the third seed on paper but that's just because of championship points. Obviously, BLG had a better spring than them, and then they finished first in the regular season for, for the summer uh, season. So they did beat BLG in the head-to-head -head and were second in that bracket. They took JDG to five games, which is respectable in and of itself. So while on paper they're third, I think that it's reasonable to say that they should be recognized as the second seed based on recent performance, at least. So exactly. And, and for me... You mentioned kind of the highlight players. I think that specifically I'm going to have my eye on Gala just because we're in a Kaisa meta. And if you've seen Gala True. play before, this guy on Kaisa, he's probably the best Kaisa yeah. in the world. It would be I would be shocked if any of the teams playing against him let him have this Kaisa pick because that is illegal. He is going to smurf. He's going to pop off. So for me, that's the guy to watch. But the whole team, as you said, is is stacked and they should be doing well. Yeah, that, that was a very underrated point. I completely overlooked that. But yeah, Gala's Kaisa is massive. And, you know, in, in this meta, definitely going to have to be picker ban when you're playing LNG. You have to first pick it or just ban it and take it away. You do not want that man on Kaisa. All right. And then moving right along to the third seed of the LCK. And this is where maybe my takes will start getting a little bit spicy because, well, sure, aside from Gen G. This is sort of the letdown team of the LCK, and I'm going to get more into Genji later. But for me, this is the team that historically has had good performances in some years. They didn't necessarily show it to the end, and then they kind of let everyone down in the end. So everyone will think of their dominant summer regular season. They came first in those BO3s, ended up coming into the playoffs. Everyone is super hype on this team. But then they choose T1, who is kind of on a downwards trend because of that Faker incident. Again, more on that later. But they chose T1, and they ended up losing in that first round of playoffs. So infinite hype before, 
and then infinite clowning after. Like, this team just cannot catch a break. But even still, kind of looking at this holistically speaking, I think that I would personally consider them the unofficial second seed of the LCK. Now, hear me out. They played T1 twice, both times they lost, but they were both close 3-2 series, and I think KT definitely deserves credit for that. And why do I have this team second? Because BDD is sort of the guy that this team is built around, and his story is a really cool one for me to follow, where in the beginning, if you think back, if you were around at that point in time, he was tearing up solo queue. He was expected to be the faker killer. The next infamous Zed, he was having all those highlight reels. He was showing he could he could really play well. But then he comes into his rookie year. The instant he turns 17, Sirientis brings him in. He gets his debut game. But he couldn't really show those results that people were expecting. The team didn't do that well. In the end, he got dropped, went to a different team. I think that was Longju that he transitioned into later. And he was middle of the pack for his whole career. He... He wasn't really showing that that level of performance people thought, and he ended up falling off the radar. But recently, he reinvented himself. He became more of a control supportive player, the guy that his teammates could rely on to get them fed, right? He's not the, the carry himself, but he's going to help his team. And he's pretty good at that at this point, where he he's plays some of those more control mage champs that don't pop off, and then he uses the small lane leads he uses to support his team. So big highlights for him. And then Cuz as well in the jungle. He was never really the best, but his whole career he's been near the top of the LCK. He's someone to watch. And Keen, I think, is is someone that people are a little mixed on. Some people will say he's really good. Some people will say not so much. But he was hard stuck in the RLs, came into the bottom tier LCK teams, and now for the first time, he was signed to KT this year, and he's probably had the best year of his career. So, you know, you got this team, again... Eastern team, they're they're higher up. I think they're well-rounded. And frankly, this is the LCK team that I personally, crazy as it might sound, might have the most confidence in, in their performance. We'll see what happens. Yeah, definitely going to be an interesting team to follow. They Following the LCK the little bit that I do, they always say when KT starts doing good, like, hey, don't get excited because KT always has something go wrong against them and they can't quite close it out. They couldn't quite close it out against T1. Twice coming in as the third seed, they're still going to be a strong team. And yeah, obviously, you know, coming in, the, the individual talent's obviously going to be there as a, a top three seed out of Korea. Um, I'm expecting, you know, pretty good things from them. I don't, I wouldn't put them quite down as like, you know, in the favorites, I'd probably put them below LNG in terms of like an order of like who I would expect to win more. But KT's never going to be a slouch uh, with this roster. So best of luck to them. And then as Bean mentioned before, kind of with the LNG talk, it'll be Billy Billy Gaming as the second seed out of the LPL. They did finish with the best record in the regular season, 15-1, and but they lost 3-1 to LNG in the lower finals in summer but they qualified in the second seed based off a of championship point. So again, you know, you could argue LNG did beat them. They probably could be seen as better than them, but they had a bit of a better performance in spring, so that's how they're able to be the second seed. Now, the the name power on this team, it's still there. You know, like, you're probably going to know Bin from the Sooning run uh, at Worlds. Uh, against, I believe that, against, that was against Damwon in 2020. They had a great run with Bin, Huan Feng, SOFM, those guys, before Sooning became Weibo. And then Yagao, he was on JDG last year, ended up going to Billy Billy now. And then they have Elk uh, in the bot lane as their, their main carry. Maybe people might not know Elk as much, 
but he's a very strong they make a great big three with elk yagao and bin they all have strong carry potential in any given game that they play they're all super talented shun is their jungler you know he's he's kind of you know a solid guy he's had some some really strong performances throughout the season so you know again someone maybe to look out for watch is like a good guy to help enable people around these 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 players obviously in the west they're so much mechanically better than the ones in the in the west on average you know so and any one of these guys can take over a game like especially against the western teams at any given moment but it's going to be an interesting run for billy billy in worlds again because i think they maybe did get a little bit of a higher seed than they should this time around it doesn't really matter you know i think the only thing it really mattered for was like when they when they got pulled you know for the pools but like they didn't really like you know have to like face too much you know of like a, an uphill battle or anything for like being a second seed instead of a third seed they're gonna be very solid maybe they're worse than lng maybe they're not it, it'll depend on the day you know that's just kind of how it is sometimes with these teams when you get up to that top top level they'll have a strong shot i like i like what they got there I don't have too much to say about them. I think they're a pretty solid, well-rounded team. Definitely are a threat to win. I wouldn't put them uh, as favorites, but they, they, they got as good a shot as probably, you know, like LNG is KT, even though I'd probably put, like, again, I'd probably put LNG 1, KT versus Billy Billy would probably be a pretty interesting series, but maybe I'd give the edge to Billy Billy. That's kind of where I got them. Not, not the favorites to win, but as these top three teams from the East are, they got a good shot. Yeah, I mean, I think you pretty covered it pretty well. Worth highlighting that at MSI, they were second place. They ended up falling to JDG there. And then in the summer regular season, they ended up first on just the regular season itself. So, you know, the team is pretty good. And given that they, they're technically third seed, but officially second seed, I think it's still pretty crazy. This is a really solid team. Yeah. They're going to do well. Then moving on back to the LCK, we've got T1 as the second seed. So, you know, big team to follow everyone loves faker everyone knows faker but in my opinion this just doesn't look like their year so let's start with giving credit where credit's due of course i think they they deserve the credit for being both a game away from winning msi and worlds last year so you know pretty good team with the same roster coming in 2023 and then they had a crazy dominant spring regular season and for most of playoffs until they ended up losing to Genji in that finals 3-1. And then in MSI, they beat Genji, so, you know, redemption there. But from there, it's been a little downhill. So in summer, they were good, but not the best. And then the Faker injury happened. He couldn't play. And the rest of the roster suddenly crumpled. I don't know what happened. They brought in this other guy in the mid lane. I forget what his name was, and I'm sorry for that, but... You know, they, they couldn't play with Faker, and suddenly this rest of the team doesn't look as good as they did before. Then Faker comes back, they have a resurgence, barely make playoffs, and then they beat KT in that first round, end up going to the finals, get 3 0 So, you know, pretty good in the end, but I think that realistically, when you look at this whole year as a whole, especially in the, the latter half, something just wasn't clicking. And I think if I'm being honest, for me, it was a bad meta read. This is something that T1 has honestly seemed to always have issues with most recently, where in that, that playoffs here in the summer, Faker sort of needed Azir, or he needed Nico. Otherwise, he looked comparatively invisible. And then Owner as well in the jungle, he kind of looks in his weakest right now out of his whole career so far. Gumayushi and Kerry on the bot lane weren't looking at the greatest, but still did okay. And then Zeus, he's the guy to, for me to watch in combination with Faker, if he can kind of bring it back. These are the two guys that are looking the best so far. He carried the hardest when Faker was gone and hasn't really dropped that level. 
So with some of these boot camps and the prep time that they have ahead of Worlds, I hope that their meta read improves, they kind of return to form, and it's it's kind of hard for me to peg where this team will end up, but probably not winning Worlds is what I'll say, where in their peak, they can absolutely challenge Genji for the best LCK seed. They've kind of shown that in MSI. But if they continue the trend they've been on, I think they could even dip as far as fourth LCK seed unofficially, depending on how well Damwon shows up. So my read right now, as I kind of mentioned before, is that this team will be the soft third seed, where KT is a little bit above them in my opinion, but it could be depending based on how they've prepped and how they come into Worlds now. Yeah, and I mean, I think everyone's always going to associate T1 with being, you know, kind of right on the cusp of, of winning in these more recent events. You know, they had they had their dominant run years ago. Now they've just been, you know, just on the outside. They couldn't quite just seem to find whatever it was that was missing, you know, for these, geez, how many seasons has it been now at this point since they won? Probably like at least five, right? It's been so long. So... They're always going to be quite on that cusp right now. I kind of agree with you. I don't quite see it as their UI either. They just always just seem to, to come up short when it matters. And I think some of that's on them. And then others is that we'll obviously, we'll obviously get into them after I get done with JDG here. Gen G has just looked very, very dominant. They Even though despite losing Ruler, they brought in this young kid, Pays, and he's just been you know doing very very solidly in replacement for Ruler. So Gen G's had their number. I'll be getting into JDG right now. Probably, I would say, pretty comfortably the the favorite to win Worlds. They went 14-2 in the regular season. They have won three consecutive LPL titles, summer of last year, spring of this year, and then summer this year again. Three in a row, and they somehow even found a way to get better from their roster last year. They brought in Knight from Top Esports last year to replace the Yagao, who's now on Billy Billy. And then they brought in Ruler, who's on Genji last year, now over to here. And the team just basically seems unstoppable. I don't have to say too much about them. Even if you don't watch China, you probably have heard about them. It's 369, Kanavi, Knight, Ruler, missing in support. There's not a lot that you can really criticize them on. They're they're great, and they're probably going to win Worlds, if, assuming nothing crazy happens. Something crazy will happen, but I, I don't think it's going to be JDG not winning. Yeah, fully agree with you there. I think that they're a candidate for possibly the most dominant team of all time, like obviously contextually around the time they're playing in, since SKT had those runs. And, and now within this context of this year, I think JDG is really really good they've they and even on the narrative side they're on track right now for being the first ever team to finish that golden road where they won both the spring and summer domestically they won msi and now if they win worlds that's the whole perfect year so huge eyes on them i think that's not news to anybody they i don't think they're unbeatable because obviously teams have taken them to five games like lng as you mentioned before uh, but something about this team, they just don't seem to lose when it matters. So individually, I think that it's debatable, but I'd say that they have probably the best player in every single role. There's yeah, some candidates probably. otherwise, but I think they're in the running at least. And the formula as well for how these players mesh together is just so good. They're so good at League of Legends for some reason, and, and they're showing it consistently. So huge eyes on them given that it's an adc heavy meta where a lot of these players in that role are really good having ruler who's in peak form is huge i think he's he's choking out his opponents and, and just performing really well so clear cut above everyone else yeah hard to imagine that at least outside of lpl that a team can contest them but yeah, eyes on them well maybe it'll be ruler's former team gen g who'll be the best competitor 
Yeah, and speaking of, last team on the docket here outside of GAM, which we'll get to at the end, Gen.G coming in as the first seed of the LCK from the Korean side. Um, I, I, I think they, there's no trouble here saying that they'll go through, but, and this is a big but, I'm going to use the narrative at least. I don't know if it'll hold true this year, we'll see, but narratively speaking, right? This is a team that outside of KT Rolster has choked. Last year it happened in semis. They faced DRX and then Chovy suddenly, there's that one play that everyone comes back to where he flashes nothing on Rise, uses ult and gets out of nothing. There was no threat there. So, you know, these these are players, like Chovy is the GOAT. He's got his fans. He'll do his usual Chovy things, probably routine flame horizoning some of the players he plays against. Like that first matchup against Gam. Poor Caddy. He's just not been doing that well. Probably uh, Gam's weakest player, I'd say. Chovy's going to gap him. It's it's going to happen. And then you've got Peanut, who's had a bit of a rich history, but maybe not as good recently. He's still a good player. And then Doran, kind of the opposite of Peanut. He's had a shaky history, but right now I think he's having his best year so far and did a lot of work to patch up some of the weaknesses he had. And then Pays and Delight, these are both rookies, actually. We're, okay, Pays is a rookie. This is his first year in the LCK. Delight, his second this is the first time he's playing for a really good team, at least. So being rookies kind of comes with nerves. It'll be both of their first time on the world stage, at least. So, you know, for the Eastern teams, it doesn't seem to be a problem, but maybe they'll be a bit nervous. Um, so I think on paper, this is this is the team that should challenge JDG. Most people will say that they should reach the finals and then it'll be the LCK versus LPL, like always. But me personally, looking at that narrative, they always seem to choke. They're going to do really well in Swiss. They're probably going to come out no problem. They're going to make it out of quarters, but then in semis, for some reason, they just choke, and I think that's going to happen again. Yeah, you know, I, I like Gen G a lot, and yes, the one interesting thing, you know, that bot lane is, you know, pretty young, but Pays, I think he's, like I said before, talking about replacing Ruler, he's done a really good job. There's going to be, you know, some probably natural ebbs and flows with the team. But I think I think they're still great. I, I said you no, know, maybe they'll be the ones to take down JDG as kind of like the lead-in. I don't know if that's really going to be the case or not. Realistically, I'd say JDGs are probably my favorites, and then probably I mean, geez, I'd say LNG maybe. Like they they did take JDG to five in uh in the LPL finals, and then you probably slot in Genji probably like just maybe maybe right next to LNG or just under them. You know, if you're me. But Genji's going to have a great opportunity here. They got a strong team, you know, being able to to, to overcome, you know, the, the Korean League pretty strongly. So I'm excited to watch them play. They're going to have a lot of fun, obviously, with a lot, a lot of talent around them. So it'll be very interesting to see these top teams compete. JDG, Genji, T1, Billy Billy, LNG, even KT, Weibo and D plus despite you know those lower teams they're having those more you know issues you know with consistency not living up to the hype maybe as much as they thought they would have but it's going to be a lot of fun watching these eastern teams go back and forth with each other they're always there's probably going to at least be probably i'd say six of them making it out for sure and then maybe there's a toss-up with like maybe maybe g2 maybe c9 if they're lucky find a way in there but it's going to be a lot of fun regardless yeah i mean i fully agree i think it'll be a a great worlds to watch as always some great teams coming up here and you know who who knows what'll happen but i'm i'm here for it yep and a quick final shout out to gam 
They were the last team to make it out of the plans. Obviously, with BDS, we covered them in the EU section. They were the VCS's first seed, beating uh, Team Wales both in both in the uh, VCS championship to get the first seed and in the world's play-in to advance over them instead. They had a pretty strong run. They lost 2-0 to Loud in the opening series of planes, but after that they didn't uh, drop a series. Their team consists of Kiai in the top lane. Uh, kind of, you know, been a standard top laner in this patch, picking a lot of the Cassante and the Renekton, kind of, you know, just playing stable. Levi, you might know Levi, had a very brief cup of tea in, in North America with uh, playing on 100 Thieves Academy, and then I think he was in China for a brief spell, but he's mainly spent most of his career with GAM. Kati, I believe he did win the series MVP against uh, Wales, maybe it was Kiaia, but I'm pretty sure it was Kati uh, who took that, so he had a, a decent enough performance, at least in that one series, to, to take that. Slater had a, a decent uh, play-ins as well, but he's mainly just the Kaisa or Zaya guy, which maybe it's meta-dependent, maybe it's not. I'm, I'm not going to act like I know enough about uh, the VCS to, to say uh, an accurate thing there or not, but his champion pool was heavily Kaisa or Zaya this year, and then Pallet at support. So best of luck to Gam. Maybe they can find a game somewhere, you know, at least with, uh, with the, the Swiss stage working out the way it does with the O1s, playing the O1s, you know, etc., the... 1-1s playing the 1-1s, 0-2s playing 0-2s. They might be able to sneak a game here if they get the favorable matchup, but best of luck to them finding a win. Yeah, I think it's hard to root for a minor region team when it comes to the main stage. Historically, it doesn't happen all that often. You know, we've had Albus Nuna in the past. or Never forget. Or it was, what was it, Kaboom before that had that good showing. Yep. But historically speaking, these aren't teams that really make too much of a splash. So, you know. Best of luck to them. I think it'll be great practice for them at the very least. They've earned the spot, even if PSG could have potentially made it over them. I think they did earn the spot, and we'll see what happens. Best of luck. All right, and that about covers our rundown for the World's 2023 main stage. Stay tuned, obviously. This upcoming Thursday is when it all starts. Be there, be square. You gotta be there. But otherwise, hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Thanks for sticking around to the end. Make sure, of course, to go to our Twitter account. That's at NoRival underscore esports. That's where we're going to be posting all our predictions, both for this first round as well as the upcoming Swiss stage rounds and the quarterfinals and all that as well. So stay tuned for that. We won't be covering that here. You got to go to the Twitter. But again, thanks for watching. Thanks for sticking to the end. This has been Enery Cobalt with my co host here, Enery Steven Meister. And yeah, any final words? Um, yeah, it's great to be back. Excited for Worlds. Excited to be back recording the podcast. We'll we'll do our best to record uh, episodes, ideally probably at the end of the Swiss stage, and then going into the knockout rounds as well. Thank you so much for listening. It means a lot. Uh, we're fi- happy to finally be back and get this going again, and hopefully build up something from here. So thank you so much. Stay tuned, guys. Take it easy.